Hello and welcome to the Life Vineyard Church podcast. In this episode, David continues the revived season on healing, focusing on the role of patience and persistence when we pray for one another. I said welcome to Revive. For those of you who don't know me, I think I've introduced myself to everyone. Um, my name's David and um, I have the privilege of leading this church with my wife, uh, Nicola, who... Um, and um, the first thing I'd love to do, because there's, there's a few notices that, to be honest, I might mention at the end, but one I really want to do is if you're here and you'd like to hear the story of Life in Yard Church and how we came from being, what, four adults and three children 16 and a half years ago to, what, 350 of us now who call this church home over the different sites and communities, communities and sites, the same thing really, but the different places we gather and different groups we gather into, then we'd love to invite you to come on Wednesday night to our house. If you can't get, we live in Stannington, which is a little bit north of Newcastle. If you can't get there, please let us know. We'd love to help you get there because we'd love to give you some food and just help you just kind of understand, give you space to ask questions, meet some of the team. It would just be a really good night. So if you want to catch me at the end, um, I'd love you to come and eat with us. Okay. We, as I said, had a first healing service last week, and um, we've always prayed for healing in our services, on and off, sometimes kind of not as intentionally as we would like, you know, but, but often we always create space for people to be prayed for. And um, last week felt like a bit of a flag in the ground moment. We, um, I think we just feel like we need to expect God to do amazing things. And um, we need to just press into the things of his kingdom because so much of what our community needs is a real power encounter with the Lord. Um, And in that place, they can then kind of understand just how much he loves them. And so it it was exciting, and we are going to press in. And I, I want to take the next two or three, well, a few of us will take the next three Sundays prior to the next um, healing service to unpack some of the healings of Jesus. And um, just as we kind of really focus and become intentional around this whole subject, you know, Jesus had a mission. He had a mission, and primary mission was to save us, to give us a capacity to come into relationship with our Father and, and to be confident of heaven. You know, that was his mission. He, he He died on the cross and he rose again, and and the gospel is that joyous thing that we get to be with God for all eternity. When he started his ministry, we read in Luke 4, he said this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. Jesus came to heal and he came to bring freedom. And he launched into his ministry, declaring that that is what he was going to do. And then we get to the last book of the Bible, Revelation, which is a challenge, but it's also brilliant because it tells us what's to come. It shows us the culmination of the story. And it says this in chapter 21. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things 
has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. These passages are in the Bible are, are really important because we see the start of Jesus' ministry and we see the culmination in his return where everything becomes renewed. All tears, death, pain is gone. The renewal of all things. And so we have this start of renewal and we have the culmination of renewal. And we live in a time now where we're slowly seeing incremental kind of renewal of things. The kingdom is extending in people's lives. You know, people are getting saved. We, I think we heard this morning, if I can remember what Frank said about Turkey, that is it, did you say 80, how many times fold Christians now in the country? Was it 80 times? Or, you know, the, the rate of Christians growing in that country, which was a very kind of, very kind of, I think there was, how many church Christians did you say there was a few years ago? 100 Christians, evangelical Christians, and now there's 8,000. You know, and it's just growing. It's incredible. It's still a, a drop in the ocean, but the Lord is doing something in sometimes the most, what seem like challenging of places. God is on the move. He is seeking the renewal of all things, and he's doing it in Wall's End. He's doing it across Tyneside and beyond. We call that the now and the not yet of the kingdom in the vineyard. We sometimes see God do amazing things, and sometimes we don't, and we live in that tension. But the direction of travel of the kingdom of God is to see people's lives transformed. But there is a reality to the time in which we live, and that is sometimes we have to wait. Sometimes we have to wait for the answers to our prayers. Sometimes people aren't instantly healed. We have to keep praying. We have to keep pressing in. It doesn't always happen straight away. And so tonight what I want to do is I want to look at a story in the Bible and I've kind of called this talk Healing Through Persistence. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to launch into it because I think it's really important. Father God, I thank you so much for tonight. Lord, I thank you for the encouragement of that wonderful kind of morning service that we had. I thank you for the encouragement of the small stories and of, of you touching people's lives and bringing about healing. And Lord, we're just expectant for more. But Lord, help us to be persistent people. Help us to stay true to what it is you've invited us to do that we would keep persisting until we see the things that you've promised. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to read this. Um, what, I can't, I've not written it down on my notes. I can't remember what passages. I think it's is it Mark 8, if I remembered that right. Um, yes, I did. Um, I haven't written it on my notes. I was quite pleased with that. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hand on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put hands on his eyes. 
Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. I want to quickly look at two things from this passage that I think is really important as we look to create a space here at Revive where people can come, no matter what their backgrounds, knowing that there's an invitation into prayer and into healing in this space. Okay, and the first thing I want to talk about and just bring from this passage is this whole area of invitation. You know, God does heal today, and it's in his nature to bring hurting and sick people into health. That's in his nature. And although all through the New Testament, and especially in the Gospels, we see stories of healings. We see Jesus healing. We see the, new, the church healing. We see incredible moments of power breaking into people's lives. God makes people well. But in pretty much all of the stories, there is a moment where either the person themselves places themselves before Jesus, or the friends bring them to Jesus. You know, I love the story of them digging a hole in a roof and lowering the guy down in front of Jesus. If you want to invite people to come to Life Vineyards, we'd prefer you use the front door um, rather than through the... Well, good luck. If you want to climb on that roof and drop people through it, can, I, can you let me know and I'll record you? Um, and, um, but no, you know, people brought them. So often the stories are of people bringing people to Jesus. It says this, they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. When Jesus was around, there was an excitement, an expectation that amazing things will happen. And so people did whatever they could to place sick people before Jesus. Whatever. Whatever it took. You know, we need to be a people who bring our friends and place them before Jesus. That's what really struck me about this passage. There was an element of intentionality. There was an element in going and fetching and bringing people in towards Jesus and saying, there's Jesus. You know, he heals people. He sets people free. He's amazing. Why don't you go and see him? I just love it. I think we maybe need to remember the art of invitation. Because when people come into this space, whether there are, what, 16 of us tonight, I think I counted, or whether there is 180 of us, or 300 of us, or 1,000 of us, it doesn't matter because where two or three more are gathered, there the presence of the Lord is. And so when we invite our friends to come, when we invite the stranger to come because they need to encounter Jesus, we can be confident that he is here in this space, in his house, waiting to impact people's lives. So you know, when at the end of February, when we do our next healing service, in fact, 
I'm probably going to... I've determined in my heart, and I'm going to say it to you now, and at least it's not on the live stream, so the whole world just can't hear me. Um, I'm going to go out every week, and I'm going to invite people from Wall's End to come to this service. That's what I'm going to do. Because I really believe that if we go and fetch people, go and bring them in, say, come and encounter Jesus, they will, just like this blind man in this story. So you can hold me to that. I'm going to go out every week, and I'm going to tell people about Jesus and invite them to come. So that's the first thing. We need to remember the art of invitation. We need to be a people who invite people to come and encounter Jesus. But secondly, and my main point, we need to be a people of persistence. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So I did think maybe I should call this talk healing through patience. But it didn't quite feel right. Because patience, though, is super important. You know, um, we need to be people of patience. And, and patience is the fruit of the Spirit. It, it is something we need to have in our lives. But I think there's a, an important relationship between patience and persistence. Let me unpack that a little bit. Here's two definitions. Patience. The capacity to accept or tolerate delay problems or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. Persistence, the fact of continuing in an option, uh, sorry, an opinion or course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. You see, with patience, God invites us to wait well. Do you know what I mean? Wait well. Do you know what I mean by that? Not to get annoyed or, or, or frustrated or grumpy or anxious, but rather to stay in a place of peace, even a place of joy as we wait and hope for the intervention of the Lord. And this is not easy. You know, patience is a fruit of the Spirit. It is something that comes from a relationship with Jesus. It, it, it's given to us as the Spirit rests and dwells in our lives. And so in a way, it's a state of our souls. It's a state of our hearts. That's where we get patience from. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Persistence, I believe, is a posture of action. You know, I, I was thinking of how, how, what's the best kind of analogy for persistence? And, and I was thinking of a farmer. So my granddad and my dad were farmers for many years. And so I was brought up for the first few years of my life on a farm. And um, so farming and growing stuff has always been, I, I just love it. So um, a farmer prepares the land. I don't know whether you've ever seen a farmer prepare the land. It's kind of an interesting place for a farmer because they've basically harvested everything and they're, they're working to just create a space where something might grow. So they're kind of preparing the ground and then they sow seeds, which is an act of faith in of itself. Uh, and then they just water the ground and they make sure everything, they just make sure it's all all right. Um, and then they wait and then they wait and then seedlings appear. I love it when I do a, say, a tray of kind of seeds and you slowly start them seeing popping through it's very exciting and um, so they kind of appear so they continue to water and care you know they look out for little kind of book things that might eat the crops and they kind of treat them all well 
And then after six to nine months of care and patience and persistence of care for those plants, they get to harvest them. They get to harvest them. We have a, an apple tree. We moved house a couple of years ago, well, nearly two years ago. And we have an apple tree in our garden. And the first year, it was the most disappointing year. We had two apples. I kid you, I'm not even exaggerating. It was just two apples. And um, anyway, the second year, we had a whole load. Last summer, was like, it was a crazy amount of apples. And I was so excited. I went and grabbed an apple from the tree far too early. And a bit into it, and it was disgusting. It was horrid. I just wasn't patient. I didn't wait for it to become fully ready. You see, I think patience is a, is a posture of our hearts. It's our relationship with the Lord. It's a state of our souls. You know, we, we, we need to emanate patience through the Spirit. Persistence is about action. It's about not settling for what we see, but after going, out the th going after the things we don't yet see. And I think the distinction is really important when we think of healing. I can think of a couple of stories of different people who I've talked to over the years. Um, there's one guy I spoke to, and to his credit, he made time every week to go and pray for people. But he was chatting to me, and he was just annoyed. He was frustrated. And he would say, I can't believe I don't see more people healed. I can't believe it. And he, he actually was, you know, he was not angry was probably too much a word, but he was deeply frustrated. But he was persistent. And then I've chatted to people over the years who say something along the lines of this. They'll go, well, you know, I had prayer for this condition a couple of times, and, well, it didn't really work. So I've, I just don't go for prayer anymore. I've just kind of, you know, and almost have given up. And I fully get it. You know, if any of you have had a, a loved one or maybe yourself a long-term health condition or a really difficult season of health, to go forward for prayer kind of releases a little bit of hope. And then if that healing doesn't come, we get a little bit of disappointment. And you can fully understand, can't you, why people stop going forward for prayer. But something of the persistence has been lost in the disappointment. So we do need patience. We need to wait well. But we need to be persistent, determined to not let what is unseen never be seen. So we need persistence, and we need to be persistent out of a place of patience in our souls. Does that make sense? Okay. It's very difficult in a culture in which we live. I came across this um, article in Forbes. Um, I was just Googling impatience actually <laughs> like you do and it's it was an article called impatience is a virtue um, how the on-demand economy is making mobile consumers impatient impatience is a virtue it says this might be the mantra for today's connected consumer 
They live in an on-demand economy where with a few taps and swipes of their mobile device, they can have what they want when they want it. As more devices and apps deliver instant gratification, the more it sets a new standard for customer expectations. Now businesses in, now businesses in every industry will have to cater to right now. That's our culture's expectation, right now. And you can understand, can't you, why sometimes as Christians, in the Western culture maybe, especially, we do get frustrated when we set time aside and we go out and pray for people and we don't see the things that we expect to see. You know, we expect it now, on demand. You know, choose the film we want to watch and we want to watch it now and so we'll just go to whatever platform we choose. But I think Jesus, well I don't think, I know Jesus has a bigger story. You know, he understands that, you know, even if we never see anyone physically healed today, in this moment, in our lifetime, that if they know the Lord Jesus, they will be fully restored in heaven. He knows the bigger story. He knows that all things will be renewed in heaven. That's why Revelation 21 exists. He wrote it to remind us that he is going to bring about the healing and restoration of all things, even if we don't see it now. But he also, importantly, sees the impact of sickness and disease and depression and captivity on people's lives today. And that's why he did what he did when he was walking the earth. And that's why he commissioned the church to go and heal the sick and to cast out demons and to set people free. Because it's not his plan. It is not what he has in store for any of us to walk in sickness and disease. He's always had in his mind to bring healing and health. But sometimes we have to wait. Sometimes we have to persist before we see the encounter with the Lord that brings about change. However, I do believe we don't see all the things that are available to us today. That's why we're doing a healing service, because I think because sometimes we've had to wait, we've shaped our theology around this, well, it's not yet. And we need to reshape it to the fact that there is a lot more of the now of the kingdom of God available to us today. And you just have to read the Lord's Prayer with a lens of healing and the king, heaven breaking into earth to understand. This is what it says. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what does Revelation tell us about heaven? There's no more tears, no sickness, no more pain. We're praying basically, what's up there? I'm pointing up there, it's not actually up there, but you know, we're metaphorically speaking, up there, is real here. The reality of heaven is reality of earth. That's what the Lord's Prayer, we've been praying that prayer for 2,000 years, since Jesus taught it. Pretty much every church I've ever been in has prayed this prayer. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Basically, there's no sickness up there. We would quite like a lot of healing down here as well, please, Lord. That's what we would like. And Jesus taught us to pray that. So, yes, we have persistence. Yes, we need to be patient. But we also need to be expectant that God will come and do things here and now in this moment, in our church, out on the streets, wherever it is. And so we walk what we like to call attention. Attention between the patient waiting and the kind of persistent chasing of God's kingdom coming now. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep having a healing service. We're going to keep inviting people to come. And we're going to keep praying. Because there's another little lesson I want us to take from this before I finish. I'll break my own rules. We said we're going to stick to an hour and I might have gone over. (laughs) Um, Did you notice what Jesus did? He did the same thing again. I don't know whether you noticed that. He was persistent. Yes, it was a very short need for persistence. He only needed to pray twice, but he was Jesus after all. But, um, you know, he, but he did the same thing. He put his hands on the man's eyes, and then he was able to see. I think there's something really important for us to take from this. So often in charismatic churches, we can see and look for a model something that's working over there and think well we need to do it here because if it's working over there then and we just keep changing we keep chasing after the new thing i think what jesus is trying to teach us here is that just do the main and the plain and do it over and over and over again persistently consistently patiently until we see what we hope and pray to see So we're going to pray every week. We're going to keep inviting people to come. And we're going to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. Because that's what we're told to do. And that's what Jesus models. So two things, three things, I suppose, to take from this passage that is going to build the foundation on what, as we said at the start of the year, Revive has shaped Tom, as he's led it, has shaped an area where we expect to encounter the presence of God. Now we're building on that foundation and expectation that we're going to see the power of God released onto people's lives. So we need to be an invitational people. We need to be a people whose hearts are patient, but whose actions are persistent. And we need to be a people who... Don't deviate from the main and the plain. Just teaching the gospel and praying for people to be healed. And if we, are, if we do that, we will have a time when we see people's lives transformed in significant and magnificent ways.